calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What's up, everyone? Noah Daniels here. This is part two of the episode with Mike talking about his ghost dog in Australia. I want to give a special thanks to his dad for coming on the podcast, Phil. We hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we did. Thanks, guys. Keep it spooky. Yeah, sure. So uh, this is my father. His name is Phil Jacobs. Uh, also lives in Atlanta, Georgia. He's up in uh, North Carolina right now, avoiding the COVID epidemic. South Carolina, but it doesn't matter. Well, yeah, so same difference. <laughs> what What do you remember from Australia? Of- so the, the the Australia story was is that we um, lived for two years in a, a small older house in Australia, and several and Michael was with us, and he actually lived down in the the we had a, a ground floor, and then there was a basement, and the basement was a finished basement. It was really nice, but it had he made it into a bedroom, and every once in a while we would hear, he and we would hear noises down there. Sometimes it was just rattling around when we were all upstairs. Um, and sometimes we could distinctly hear a dog barking. Do you remember that, Michael? No, I, I had mentioned the, the time that I heard uh, a collar clanking against a water, the, that ceramic water bowl we had for Oliver. Yes, that's but, right. But yeah, but he wasn't there. Um, and the, the one that I, I told them about that, that really stuck out in my mind is when I saw, um, I had that entertainment center in my room that had that black glass. Yeah. Like, I forgot like, about that. That's right. Yeah, and you saw something move. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that was, that was you guys Australia experience, but you remember that the, the, the Savannah experience happened way back, but this is before you were, um, even born. Right. It would have been about 1979. We lived in Savannah and it was a fairly new house. I mean, it wasn't brand new, but it couldn't have been more than five or six years old. And you don't think that as being a, a haunted house. But um, several times during the night in our bedroom, uh, Jenny and I would wake up and we would literally hear the window rattling. I mean, literally like shaking. And, and we thought, we must be having a storm, or there must be a really high wind or something. And we would get up and go over to the window, and it would stop, and it would be totally calm outside. 
and we would go, that was really weird. Why was this vibrating? And we would go back and we'd get in bed and we'd, it's one of those things where you feel like, okay, nothing's going to happen. I'm going to go back to sleep. And just as we were about to drift off, it would start, I mean, not violently, but really loudly shaking. I mean, it wasn't just like a, you know, clicking back and forth. It was like somebody had grabbed the window frame and literally was shaking it. You could hear the, the, the struts or whatever the guides are inside the window, the metal banging back and forth. And so we, we would, that, that would happen like, you know, every couple of weeks or so. And we used to freak out about it. And then it's one of those things you get up in the morning and it's sunlight and everything. You go, well, I guess that wasn't really anything important. We forget about it. And then it happened again. And it was like, oh my God, I can't believe this. Anyway, that went on for a long time. And then, and this is really weird because this is, talk about cooperation. This is, uh, my mom was actually visiting several times. We had heard, and this is when um, Emily, uh, our da- middle daughter, who was a, a baby at the time, um, we would wake up in the middle of the night and hear a baby crying. And it was like, you know, one of those things where parents go, you get up, no, you get up. So one of us would get up and we would go into Emily's room, completely silent. She hadn't moved, completely quiet. We go, well, that was weird. I'm, I know she was crying, but there's no sign. We'd go back in the room, get back in bed, same kind of thing. You would wait for a couple of minutes. You know how parents are, you kind of are, are on edge waiting for, is this going to happen again? And just about the time you say, no, everything's okay, we would start hearing the crying again. And one of, we'd then both get up and we'd go in there and, and whoever had been in there last had looked at where Emily was laying and we could tell she hadn't moved, she hadn't been disturbed, no crying or anything, but we definitely heard a baby crying. And then my mom was visiting us and um, we, in the middle of the night, she got up and came into her room and said, I think Emily's crying, but I went in there and she's not crying. So my mom, totally unprompted, we never told her, you know, any, any stories or anything because we didn't want to scare her to death. But we, um, basically she said, I know I heard a baby crying last night and it was not Emily. Yeah. And, 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 Jenny just reminded me this also would happen occasionally during the day even when Emily wasn't in that room we would hear a baby crying and was this in the Savannah house yes this was all in the Savannah house. oh man do you remember hearing the baby cry the night oh yeah distinctly the, the night that you're the window the window rattling and the baby crying were as real as I'm hearing your voice right now there's, there was no doubt. And then the fact that it would wake both of us up, say again? Did they ever happen on the same night? Uh, I, I don't think so. I, I don't ever remember them being coincidental. Do you, so when Emily's grandmother heard the baby cry, uh, did you hear it that night as well? No, she came in and got, and woke us up saying that she had heard Emily crying, but she went in there and she hadn't been crying. So 
for some reason we didn't hear at that time, but she did. How, how old Emily was like baby, baby. Yeah. She was born in 78 and we moved there in early 79. So she wasn't even a year old. Cause knowing Emily, it's not impossible. That was just her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if that had been a few years later, we'd accuse her of setting the whole thing up, but it was a little before her mischievous time. <laughs> and Phil, what do you associate all of that with? How do you explain those actions to yourself uh, about what you uh, You know, we've talked about this so many times. I, I will tell you this. We are convinced that there was some spirit or some history or some being in that house. We thought, we thought the house had been built on yeah, that's right. a gravesite. We thought for a while, we thought, I wonder if there, this house was built. We were out on a little island, Wilmington Island, which is uh, one of the barrier islands outside of Savannah. And we thought, you know, I wonder if this had been an Indian burial ground or some sacred place that uh, maybe the house had been built on and there was some, something still there. And, and by the way, I, I'm not a big, you know, um, ghost hunter or, and, and most of the time I look for logical explanations of things. And I, I, I think 95% of the time, things like this get explained away. But, but I will tell you, in this case, we, we have never, ever been presented with anything close to an explanation that makes us believe this was anything else other than some power or some spirit or something that was in the house and it was angry. It was, this was, it was not, a, was not a benevolent or a happy um, spirit that was around. And, and the way that window would rattle truthfully was like somebody was really angry and almost was saying either you get out or get me out of here or some, some stress, you know, that in the middle of the night would just, bolt you awake and go literally the window was at the end of our bed on the left hand side and it was I mean it was probably six or seven feet from the end of the bed but it would be like somebody walking up over you and having a some piece of metal and just shaking it right in your face it was that loud and do you remember you were traveling a lot at the time and you got really uneasy about yeah. leaving me alone in the house yeah. when you uh, were we, traveling. For a while, we even talked. And, you know, the interesting thing was, is this is probably a, a good thing, is, is that we moved into that house literally six months from the day we moved in. I got transferred again, and, and we had to sell the house. And most of the time when we left houses, it was like leaving memories and everything. We left that house, and it was like good riddance. You know, we don't ever want to come back here again. I don't ever want to even remember that all this happened. And, and I've often thought if you went back and contacted the people who lived in the house after we did and said, did you ever experience anything like that? It would be really interesting to hear if they had similar experiences. But, you know, it's one of those things that in the middle of the night when it's happening, it's terrifying. And then in the daylight, when everything returns back to normal, you kind of just have this tendency to say, oh, I'm dismissing it. You know, it was, it was, I, I was exaggerating things and everything, but, but neither of us ever 
ever have thought that we imagined or exaggerated that. It was very real. And so now, the, maybe there was some structural thing that could have caused the, the window to rattle like that, but we never figured out why. And there was never any conditions that existed when it happened that would make you think uh, that, wow, well, you know, it's windy or there's some, you know, storm coming or who knows what. But there was never a rhyme or reason for when it happened. And so the, you mentioned... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Noah. I was just going to say, so the Savannah um, house, that happened before you guys moved to Australia, correct? Yeah, uh, the Savannah was in 79. We were in Australia in 97. And in between those periods, had you had any other supernatural experiences or are those the only two during that time? No, I, I you know what? I, I never remember having any other. And quite frankly, which is why we've always attributed it to the place not to us. We, you know, we've never thought we've haunted, been haunted, or somebody's something's following us or anything else. It was very specific to locations and the activity. And the, the incredible thing is, is that these were never independent. Like I didn't wake up and hear this and have to wake Jenny up and she hadn't heard it. We would both hear it at the same time and both experience it. That's true in both the, uh, the Savannah situation as well as in the Australia situation. Wow. One thing I have heard about um, Savannah, and I'm bringing this up just because you mentioned you thought maybe the house was on like a burial ground or something. Yeah. Uh, but I guess at some point in Savannah's history, they had uh, uh, an epidemic uh, that hit the city really, really hard. Um, and they ran out of room in the cemeteries and just started having to bury bodies in in front of people's houses and in their yards so i i wonder if you know i don't know did you ever do any kind of research to see if that might have been the case that uh, not specifically around that i mean you know savannah is full of great ghost stories and i guess mm -hmm. being as old as it is first of all oldest city in, in georgia and secondly being on the coastal area and you know there were always pirates and sailors and all kinds of activities going in and out of there there was a lot of history. I mean, you can go down to Savannah now and do ghost tours. There's all kinds of stories about the old homes there that are haunted and, you know, people that would walk across, you know, in the middle of the night, walk across balconies and stuff like that. Um, so Savannah had a great um, history of that. But where we were out on Wilmington Island, that was a newer area. Mm. Um, you know, people didn't think of that as kind of the traditional uh, Savannah and the, the areas that were kind of, you know, the oldest parts of Savannah that were kind of thought to be haunted. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and by the way, we never had any neighbors that we talked to that had any similar experiences. Of course, we were only there for six months. None of our neighbors had kids or anything. So that's when true. we heard Emily crying, it wasn't like yeah, we knew. Baby. That's right. We knew the it wasn't a, a, a it wasn't the next door neighbor's baby crying loud that we heard. It was definitely a sound coming from it within the house. And then when, you know, we both heard it, that was something. And then when my mom heard it, it was like, okay, this, this and, is really something. This was, this was before baby monitors. Oh, yeah. Yeah, long before electricity. Oh, no, it wasn't quite that long. <laughs> <laughs> and so similar to the baby, you also remember hearing the dog barking. Is that right? Well, yes. 
the dog barking, and as that Michael said, that was the Australia one. Uh, right, yeah. yeah the, the dog barking, and, the, and Michael had reminded wow. me, we also used to regularly hear, and we had our dog in Australia, but we would hear um, like a dog drinking out of a bowl, and you know how their dog tags will bang up against the side of a metal bowl and give a very distinctive sound. We would hear that, and at first we'd go, oh, you know, Oliver, our dog, must be downstairs getting a drink. And you'd look around, and Oliver would be laying on the floor next to us. And it's like... Would oh, Oliver oh. ever, you know, perk up? and you know, to- you know, he never he never picked up on it that I remember. Michael, do you ever remember uh, that? That was also something I always thought was really weird. It was like, maybe he didn't know it was there, or like... Or maybe he was so used to another dog being in the house. Did yeah, you mean Oliver like, as yeah, a puppy? He thought it was another dog, yeah. And he was like, this is that dog's house. I'm not going to start... Was he yeah. a puppy yeah. when you got him? When no, you got- when, when we took him to... We got him as a puppy, but when we took him to Australia, he was probably seven years old or I mean he was a, he was a different or strange when you brought him Yeah, we had to put him in quarantine for like two months because when you brought there's no um, rabies in Australia so when you bring a dog in you have to quarantine him so he had to live off uh, we we'd go out and visit him once a week and his little quarantine hut. but uh, anyway once he got out of that he was he was fine and he never showed any signs and he was never skittish or you know afraid of anything in the house so but, phil uh, and, and when we had, heard it he didn't so phil you I'm had sorry, this you had this experience um prior to moving to australia and then you get to australia and you have this new supernatural experience but the difference with this one being you have a son who is also kind of going through the supernatural experience as a parent how did you approach that with mike once he comes to you and says, hey, I saw this ghost dog in a reflection and I'm hearing these noises. How did you, did you come out and say, oh yeah, ghosts are real. We had this crying baby in an old house or did you kind of play it off nonchalant or how did you handle that? Um, You know, Michael, you may remember that. I'm sure we handled as perfect parents would, but um, uh, you know, I remember not denying it and not pretending it didn't happen. Um, But the, the amazing thing is, is that Michael didn't say, I don't want to stay down there anymore. Or, I mean, it was like we talked about it as it wasn't threatening to him. Right. And so because it wasn't threatening to him, we didn't think about it as, oh, he's in danger. Or, and, and it was more a curiosity like, wow, well, if it happens again, and, and by the way, if you could get up here and let us know, and we'd come down, we'd love to see you know, what's going on too. We were talking about this earlier. I don't remember ever telling you guys. Like I thought. Oh, I remember we talked about it. Yeah. That's it. That's the main reason we knew about it was because you told us. Okay. But again, it never, because it wasn't threatening, you know, I would contrast that to when I said in Savannah, it seemed like almost an evil, angry spirit. And here it was more a curiosity, more, more, something like passing through or something that was, you didn't feel threatened by it. It was, it was not terrifying. It was fascinating. And it was like, wow, I wonder if there's something here that we, uh, but it was never frightening. So maybe I, I want to make sure that I didn't misremember other details. Um, the basement was new to us, right? Like that basement was not always in that house. That house originally was like a one story house, right? 
Now, the, the second floor, the basement and the main floor were part of the original house. Okay. The upstairs where our bedroom was, was the add-on. But it was, it was all newly redone and renovated. Yeah, it had been totally and renovated. We were the first ones to live in it since it had been renovated. Yeah, right? and the house was probably built back in the, in the 1920s or 30s. And I don't think the basement originally was finished. So when they did the read, they redid the house and, and added the second story above, they, that's when they finished the basement. So you keep saying finished, and I don't remember it being finished. Like the walls were bare concrete and the floor was just like, it was, I would say semi-finished, like there was a tile floor. It but was finished. Was finished. Had I mean, a bathroom they, down there. Yeah, there was a finished bathroom down there. there. Bathroom, there was a, yeah, but pool, but the walls were the walls were painted. I mean, they were concrete, but they were painted. So I mean, it was a it was a decent space. So, we didn't lock you in the. It wasn't a dungeon that we oh, locked no, you away. In. That was later. That was when we moved us to uh, Charlotte. <laughs> I also chose to have that as my room. By the way, I remember because yes. yes. you could have had the one upstairs. Yeah. So, Phil, before we get you out of here, I, I am curious, since you've had experiences with Supernatural and the occult, um, have you guys ever spoken to a medium or psychic about this stuff? Or do you believe in mediums or psychics? Kind of where, what, where's your range and your belief in the Supernatural after having this um, Well, I, I've never directly to a, a medium per se, but we had some really good friends um, when we lived in uh, Athens, Georgia. And they had had an experience, it was the Seabolts, Randall and Betty Seabolt. And they had an experience where they were, they actually decided one night to do a seance. And they were sitting around, they had, they were all, there were four, I think there were two couples, four people sitting around on this bed, according to the story they told us. Oh, gosh, yes. And um, they had the, this, the, the one of the couple, but not, not our friends, but the people they were with, the, the woman, the wife of the guy they were with, um, was a, I don't know if she was professionally or, but she was, she, she had at least had some interest and in, done some study in being a medium. And she was conducting the seance for them. And there was an exercise where they would write a question on a piece of paper and place it in the middle of the bed. and um, they would all sit back, and they, the, our friends, went into it being very skeptical. Like, now this is going to be fun and kind of a parlor game, ha ha, and we'll laugh and a few funny things. And they got about uh, halfway into the, well, I don't, I don't know how long, but thirty minutes into the seance, and they actually felt the, pre they both felt the presence of some spirit. And I remember this distinctly. Randall wrote down on the piece of paper, are you evil? And he slid it to the middle of the bed and they sat there. And then all of a sudden there was this huge clap and the paper balled up and dropped down on the bed. None of them had touched it. And, and by the way, these were very good friends of ours. They weren't making this up. They, you know, they weren't sensationalizing it, at least in their minds. Um, either this was the greatest parlor trick they'd ever seen, or there was really something to this. And that's when they both said, you know what, 
this is no longer fun. This is no longer a game. We're done with this. And so when, you know, they told us that story, it, it was like there was no question in their mind this was all real. And that's when I think we kind of thought, you know, there's something more to this than because these are, you know, people you know really well and are really close friends that aren't just going to play this up with you. And, you know, I, that would be the closest I've come to have an experience like that. But um, when they told that story, I'm telling you what, I mean, both of us, our eyes were watering and it was like, it was sheer terror to hear them tell the story. And, and they would, when they told the story, it was very emotional, very real to them. They were not faking it. Wow. Well, I got chills, so you're pretty good at telling stories. Yeah, uh, I've well. chills this whole time. <laughs> I'm scared about my window that's right next to my bed tonight. <laughs> so do you guys have any more questions for Phil before we get him out of here? Uh, do you ever uh, get any celebrity lookalikes? <laughs> told you? Wow. George Clooney? No. Yeah. <laughs> How about John Belushi? Yeah, I do get that. <laughs> oh, interesting. Okay. Just curious. Maybe it's just Zoom, but I'm getting John Goodman a little bit. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I can see I, that. I've seen a lot of John Goodman in that new Connor show uh, in, in you for sure, Dad. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. This was an absolute delight. Um, I think a hundred percent of the time when we've had people bring their parents unexpectedly on this podcast, it's been a home run and, and this time was no different. So, um, okay, thank you. I really yeah. enjoyed it. Well, yeah, thank you, uh, both Mike and Phil. I think, you know, despite how scary the stories were, I think having a, a ghost baby and a ghost dog makes this kind of our cutest interview in some way. <laughs> <laughs> and Mike, before we get you out of here, um, you should definitely plug your podcast that just came out. Yes, indeed. Uh, you can head, it's called Tell Them What They've Won. You can head to tellthemwhatthey'vewon.com. Uh, it's a game show all about podcasts. We do uh, each episode, we dive deep into a given show. Uh, that it's a podcast all about game shows. That, is that not right. what I said? Oh, you said a game show about podcasts. Wow. <laughs> That's confused. Yeah, I was like, That's so cool. Talk about our podcast. Yeah, no, a podcast about game shows. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to do, you know, like I said, deep dives, reviews, news, interviews, all sorts of fun stuff. So hey, check it out. Do you have a favorite game show? Man, that's what everybody's been asking me. I don't know. Uh, so we're researching now for uh, Price is Right. And, like, in reading about it, like, Price is Right is a really solid pick. There's a lot of fun stuff going on in that show. Um, I, what, a sleeper hit for me was uh, Scrabble back in the day. I don't know if you remember. There that. was a Scrabble game show. Yeah, I, I don't uh, even remember that. Yeah, they had to like drop like little letter tiles into a bin and like scroll across the screen. Oh, it's funny. Yeah, uh, but it's uh, it's I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but it's a good sleeper hit. No Family Feud. I I can still to this day watch reruns of Family Feud and be on Family Feud. That was, was their first. first that was their first podcast. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. I mean, I'm a I'm a big fan of Family Feud. What I like most about Family Feud is the uh, play at home ability of it. Yes. Um. I thought it was really interesting the conversation you had about what is the definition of a game show and is Survivor a game show? You know what what is and isn't. 
And, you know, when you said, well, it, there has to be some intellectual element, and I'm thinking, okay, the gong show. <laughs> is that a game show? Because there was no intellect in that at all. That's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that's, a, that's an interesting question because I'm a huge Big Brother fan, and I've just always thought of it as reality TV. But I guess there is money to be won at the end. Uh, and so that's why I draw a distinction between a competition show uh, and a game show. Like yeah, to me, yeah. Big Brother would be a competition show. It's based in the reality show format, but there is an end goal of winning. For sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, guys, thank you both so much for coming on. This has been awesome. Um, and we really appreciate it. Thank you all. Enjoyed it. Have a yeah, great thank night. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, guys, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, I didn't really know what to expect going into that episode. I knew Mike had kind of uh, talked to you guys about having a ghost dog. I presumptively just assumed he had had a dog that passed away that kind of ghosted around. Because I think, doesn't Mike have a tattoo of a ghost dog? Or am I, I may have seen that on Reddit on somebody Ooh, else. I don't know. Mike does have a lot of tattoos, so... Yeah. That would be a good... Um, I may be thinking, I know on Reddit there's a really popular tattoo of like a dog with a little like sheet over its head like a ghost. Um, so maybe I'm getting that confused. But either way, um, you know, his story on its own I thought was pretty fascinating just because he is such a skeptic. I mean, I think that's the one thing that really came through pretty strong for me was just how strong of a skeptic he is. I mean, you could almost see him rolling his eyes at his own story yeah you know? i was really really happy to you know have a skeptical episode because so i was like yes like people thinking about it rationally and sure like you know maybe he felt something and there was this dog i was like mm -hmm, this is lo like and behold his dad comes on and cooperates the whole thing yeah then his dad just comes on and like drops the mic and yeah. and then we had the turn of mike being like about savannah oh yeah and we had the turn of mike being like oh well dad texted me i think he just knows it because i told him about it and then his dad's like oh no we heard everything we heard we heard <laughs> this story or whatever <laughs> oh man that's um is that a new baby story yes is it is a new parent that horrifies me i don't really know how i would mentally be able to deal with just hearing crying all the time and it not being my baby that's crying yeah yeah we we had a family um so i'm originally from mississippi and one of my good friends i can't remember if i talked about this on the podcast or not but um she was one of my best friends growing up and as a teenager kind of when you're discovering the occult through movies you know and media and stuff and you kind of learn like oh people believe in ghosts or whatnot we were at school one day talking about it and she's like oh well we have a ghost and we were like what and she was like yeah it's and she named it she was like it's a baby it cries all the time down in the basement and they didn't have any babies or anything in the house no. and she said to the point where we'll open the door and be like it's okay it's okay you don't need to cry you don't need to cry and then their house burnt to the ground with no uh explanation like a year from that what, what? Yeah. you know what we need to do that episode where we have you know how everyone's like well i have this little story you know and we collect everyone's little stories because chelsea from spinsters she has this story about like how you know her friend's little sister died by drowning or something mm -hmm. uh so anytime you stay in that room 
uh, you either see her or you hear her or she's in your dream or something. But everyone that stays in that room has that. Wow. Yeah. And I also feel like um, when we do bring people on that have little stories, not every time. I mean, we have brought some people on and their stories end up being about 15, 20 minutes. But just through our ability to interview, we usually end up discovering other things that, you know, maybe they hadn't really thought about or they bring their parents home and yeah. kill it. I mean, <laughs> his dad, uh, you could tell he's probably a natural storyteller because uh -huh. he, he just went right through those stories. He's like, yep, this happened, this happened, this happened, goes to real. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I oh, almost oh. wanted to be like, can you call your other friends? I want to hear this story now about this piece of paper. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so insane. That kind of stuff scares me much more than ghosts too. Like the idea that somebody can communicate with the dead and it's like an evil spirit, that freaks me out. Well, or maybe he was crumpling up the paper and being like, no, I'm not evil. How dare you ask oh, me that? That's true. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I will say though, I, I do think, um, you know, th uh, that interview did really represent how uh, much memory can change and how, you know, it is, it is infallible, um, as Mike said, because, you know, w once we got both Mike and his dad on talking about the dog, you know, obviously there were differences in how both of them remember it. Uh, Mike um, not remembering any barking, his dad saying there was, Mike not remembering his parents being aware of it, you know. Um, so I think, I think it's definitely something to keep in mind when uh, all of us are listening to these stories that, memory isn't the best way to observe uh evidence uh but yeah there's definitely a lot of compelling stuff in those stories still well and you can tell a story so many times that it becomes vivid in your head mm -hmm. but you're really kind of creating your own narrative to a certain degree you know for sure that's like my ghost story that's why i don't put a ton of faith in it because I have told that story so many times. I have this vivid image in my head, but in reality, I was younger than Mike when that happened. I was like in fourth grade, you know, yeah. I don't remember a lot about fourth grade, you know, so. For 97? For me? I was six. Oh, uh, how, how old are you? I can erase this, but. Um, I don't care. Uh, I'm 29 and I'm proud. So you were six at 29. Yeah, so I, in 96, I would have been like 13, probably. But yeah, I don't know. It was a great episode. That was a lot of fun. Um, something about having parents on, it makes it feel so much more real. I think it's just like trusting parents, you know, when in reality, they're just people. But it's it's like, you're like, oh, here's an older person. They must have wisdom to give. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So did that move the needle for you guys? Where, how are you guys feeling after that episode? I feel, I don't know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I feel it pushes the needle for me, for sure. I'm sticking with Mike's, uh, uh, I guess, mindset on this story is that there very well might be another simple explanation to all of this, um, whether we know it or not. So, you know, I don't know what that explanation could be. And in the meantime, I'm going to really enjoy um, those kind of stories uh, that I don't have explanations for. But yeah, I guess, you know, I'm still kind of on the fence skeptical. Uh, you all skeptic so-and-so. Mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like for me, that one probably moved the needle a little bit. I don't, I don't know. It's, I think it was really nice being able to actually see his dad on Zoom versus just hearing it over a phone um, because it felt, it made it feel even more sincere when he was telling the story. Yeah. Sorry, podcast listeners, but you don't get to see that. Maybe one day we'll, we'll release some archive footage. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Well, we hope you guys are staying safe out there during the pandemic. Um, we're in Georgia and things feel like they're getting a little crazier every day. Yeah, might um, have some more ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Uh, but you know, we're all doing our best to stay safe and checking in with our friends. Make sure you guys do the same, especially if you have friends who live alone. Um, you know, check in on them, give them a call and maybe recommend our podcast. And while you're at it, Go download and subscribe, rate, and review. Come on, guys. Help us out. We know you're listening. We see the numbers. Give us some reviews. Give us some yeah. ratings. Plus, where else are you going to listen to a podcast with John Goodman on it? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, come on. Step it up, guys. So with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm JJ. And I'm Kat. Ooh. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.